Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to my podcast called On Eagle's Wings. Today I am going to begin a four-part series dealing with the idea of doing things because it's convenient, not necessarily doing it because it's right, but doing it because it's easy. And what I'm going to do is just present portions of a lesson that I recently delivered dealing with that. So today, here is part one of a lesson called For Convenience Sake. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings chapter 12. We're going to look at some verses there and then we're going to use that as the text to make an application for our lesson today. In 1 Kings chapter 12, we have the situation where Solomon has died and his son Rehoboam is now going to be king. And so Rehoboam asks for his counselors and he asks for advice. So the older counselors say, you need to make the people's burdens lighter. So then he asks his peers, the younger counselors, and they say, no, make the burdens heavier. So Rehoboam says, my father chastised you with whips, I'll chastise you with scorpions. And the people don't really care for that. So there's a a huge division that eventually takes place. And one of the servants, Jeroboam, steps in and we pick up the account in 1 Kings uh, chapter 12. We want to pick it up in verse 19. It says, so Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. So they rebel against Rehoboam. Verse 20, it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, that they sent and called him unto the congregation and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. And we jump down then to verse 25. It says, then Jeroboam built Shechem and Mount Ephraim. So he has gone up to Samaria and built Shechem and Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto the Lord, even unto Jeroboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Jeroboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. So Israel determined to rebel. They didn't want Rehoboam. His counsel was to make things more difficult for them, whether that was right or whether that was wrong. And so Jeroboam takes advantage of this and he is made king by the people. But he realizes that if Jerusalem is the place to worship God, and even though the people have come to Samaria, they begin to make a trek back, they're going to hear the priests and they're going to hear all all the things that are going on at the temple. And he fears then that they'll be persuaded to remain there. 
They'll be persuaded by Rehoboam and they'll be persuaded by the priests, etc., etc. So what he does is he begins to build these idols. It says in verse 28, he made two calves of gold. It's interesting to think about when the people back during the time of the Exodus were tempted to turn away from God, a calf of gold was made. And here we have Jeroboam making two calves and he's going to put one up in the city of Bethel and he's going to put the other up in the city of Dan. And what is really evil about this is that he puts the one in the city of Bethel and the word Bethel means the house of God. He knows that it's in Jerusalem where the temple is at, but he's going to put a place of worship in the city that is called the house of God. And then he puts the other one in Dan. And so it's a place of idolatry that had been established during the time of the judges and defeated. And his rationale behind this is found in verse 28. He says in verse 28, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. It has ever been the way of evil to tempt us with the easier way, with the convenient way. He says, it's too great a burden for you to have to go to Jerusalem. I'll set it up so you don't have to do that. And that's the voice that we continue to hear today. And that's the thought that we want to deal with in thinking about the idea that a lot of what is happening in our world and in our culture is for convenience sake. And we're gonna begin with thinking about our culture. Uh, there's a desire to make things easier for people. Now, it's not that we have a distaste for what is easy, but that should not be the standard. The, the standard for doing something shouldn't necessarily be the easy way. The standard for doing something should be whether or not it's right or whether or not it's wrong. Jeroboam didn't say I want to make things better for people by doing what is right. He said, I want to make things more convenient and easy for people and did what was wrong. When we look at our culture today, the desire in many respects is to lean in that area of what is wrong and go about it through making things easier. Men in general always look for the easy way. We know that the religious leaders during the time of Jesus wanted to kill him. They wanted to have him removed. We have the account found in John's gospel in John chapter 11 where the high priest stands up and he says, you know nothing at all and talking to the religious leaders and how it's necessary that one man die for the people. And so there's already this conspiracy to say, we're going to take Jesus and we're going to remove him to make our life easier. But in Mark 14, Mark gives us the account of Judas going to them. So verse 10, it says, Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money and sought how he might conveniently betray him. We want to get rid of this guy. We want to get rid of this Jesus. How are we going to do it? Then one of them, Judas, betrays and they say, hey, this is going to be the easier way. Let's let him be the point guy. Let's let him finger this man that we're going to take and let's do it at night. So we see that evil works in that particular 
direction. When we look at our culture today, there is a desire to take away anything that deals with negative consequences. We don't want people to feel guilty. We don't want to do anything that's going to cause someone to be shamed. And again, I'm not saying that our purpose is to make people guilty. And I'm not saying that our purpose is to shame people. But if we're dealing with spiritual aspects of right versus wrong, that an individual from within has to be motivated to do right. And they have to be motivated to avoid wrong. And one of the ways that God utilizes that is when we realize we've done wrong, if our conscience is working in the, in the correct way, we should have a sense of guilt. I know that's not what I'm supposed to do. Or I've done something that has harmed someone else. I should feel shame. There should be a sense within me of saying that was not right. But what our culture is trying to do is to say, look, don't worry about it. There is no right. There is no wrong. There is no guilt. There is no shame. Sin is no longer referred to as sin. I made a mistake. It was an error in judgment. We decide then that we're going to look at the problems that exist and we're no longer going to make those things to be wrong. So what was once illegal now is legal. Drugs, alcohol, gambling. So in many states now it's okay to smoke marijuana. Sports betting over the last couple of years is just, it just it's going crazy. Every major sport now allows betting. You look at Kentucky. Uh, they want a lottery. If they don't already have one, I'm not aware of it. I know that Tennessee has a lottery because every time we, we go south and hit I-40, it just seems like billboard after billboard talking about the Tennessee lottery. And, of course, we're in a situation in this part of the country where we're, I say forced, I don't mean that to be ugly, but we have to watch the Nashville station, and they always have advertisements dealing with the Tennessee lottery. But I know there's a movement in effect that says, hey, look, everybody's got it. We need to have it now. We need to get some of that money. And so what we're talking about is looking at things that easily 30 years ago, people would have said no. And now they're saying, okay, everybody's doing it. We might as well get our foot in there. And I've heard people say that. I've heard Christians say, well, look, if there's money out there and everybody's doing it, why shouldn't we be involved and make it good by doing it? But that's just another way of saying, hey, everybody's doing it. Let's just follow along. So we have the concept of trying to get medical marijuana in. But I've seen things where people say, well, look, if you've got headaches, those could be migraines. And one way to relieve that, marijuana. If your eyes hurt, that could be some sort of medical situation, marijuana. Do you have back pain? You can deal with it through marijuana. Do you have arthritis? You can deal with it through marijuana. And so marijuana now has become the major medical in some areas relief. But you know, there are a lot of people that they don't really have a physical problem. They just, they just want marijuana. Now it's become easy. Now it's become convenient. You don't even need in some places a prescription. So we find that our culture does that, tries to make things easier. And, and how it does it is by removing the hard choices and removing their consequences. You know, I want to smoke marijuana, 
but it's illegal. So if I do it and I get caught, I'm going to be sent to jail or I'm going to be punished in some way. Okay. We're going to make it so it's no longer illegal. We're going to make it so there's no punishment. We're going to make it so if you want to stand on the courthouse and you want to get stoned, you just go right ahead and do it. You're not going to be punished, in effect, for doing that. And so we find throughout our culture, any decision on our part in dealing with whether something is right or wrong and having to deal with the consequences are removed. So instead of teaching abstinence, we issue condoms or there's the morning after pill or the, the other one that is the one that aborts the baby after it's already started. So you have a situation and, and I was reading about the morning after pill this morning. I wanted to make sure I had the right information on it. They, they clearly are saying you go to any of these websites. They clearly are saying this is for an emergency. This is if all the other things you're supposed to do have failed, then you can go ahead and use that. But still... It's available to people to say, look, don't worry in that regard. If it happens, we've got this to take care of. So we also have the situation that uh, obviously if a woman gets pregnant, she can have an, an abortion. Uh, it's not a guarantee, I guess, anymore in dealing with the government. And I'm not fully up on all the things that deal with that. But still, you can be issued that pill that, that takes care of it. When we talk about people going out to drink, a designated driver, I'm all for someone helping other people. And, and again, I'm not saying that we be in a situation where every time someone does something wrong, we make sure they get punished. That's, that's not the point that I'm trying to make. The point that I'm trying to make is we need to be disciplined to make choices ourselves. But what we are dealing with is a culture that says, you don't need to make those choices anymore. We're going to relieve you of that. So instead of saying, hey, should I go out and should I get drunk and should I lose my, my sense of what is right and what is wrong and my sense of morality and do something stupid or should I abstain? And what our culture is saying is, don't worry about that abstinence thing. Just go ahead and have a fun time. Just make sure you've got a designated driver, which is really interesting because... <laughs> What they're saying is, as long as one of you doesn't drink, that's okay that everybody else does. And again, whenever you look at a lot of these things, in effect, what they're saying is, hey, we've got a way of doing it that we think is better than your way of doing it. But still, someone has to say, someone has to have the moral courage to say, I'm not going to drink or I'm going to hire a taxi or whatever it is. There are people whose attitude in life is it's easier to ask forgiveness than to ask for permission. I don't want to ask and have you say no, so I'm going to do it and then I'll just repent afterwards. And then, you know, as a kid growing up, that's what we did. We knew, hey, you go to confession on Saturday. So whatever happens Monday through Friday, you can go to confession on Saturday. Going to confession on Saturday made it possible to do what you wanted to do Monday through Friday because you knew, hey, no matter what happens, I'm going to get it taken care of and everything will be wiped clean and I can go to church on Sunday. I can go to mass. I can have communion. And then Monday we can start the whole cycle all over again. I'd rather ask forgiveness than seek permission. Once again, uh, this is Jim Walsh. I'm thankful that you've listened to my podcast today. Uh, please come back again next week and listen to part two of 
for convenience sake.